welcome, welcome, welcome to the second service of our day and to the year 2020. How exciting is this? 2020 sounds like one of those years that we used to talk about 20 years ago and we would wonder what would happen in the year 2020? What would we be doing? Would we be flying in cars? Would our cars be flying now? We'd literally just take, remember like in the Jetsons and stuff, you just basically take a pill, put it in the microwave and it turns into a full meal and you'd have robots that do everything for you. Isn't that not the way that we used to dream of things? Well, we actually dis discovered the future just recently at Christmas time. We got one of these robot vacuum cleaners. Does anyone else have one of those? What a miracle! Why didn't someone tell me about those things before? You literally don't have to clean. It does it for you. Some of the, some, sometimes women call those husbands. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, we are excited for 2020. We really are. And if this is your first time to Northwest, a special welcome to you. My name is Pastor Peter, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we've been around now for 30 years. This is now our 31st year as a church. And um, boy, we've been killing it and crushing it. It's been awesome. Yeah, you can give God some glory on that one. Before I get into today's teaching, there's a couple of things I want to touch on today. The first one is we are about to enter into, or we have entered into just yesterday, our 21-day fast as a church. Is anyone with me on that one? Good, excellent, all five of you. I'm kidding. Um, we are excited about the 21-day fast. We've been doing this for about maybe five, six, seven years. I don't know how long it's been. And I really find it to be a significant time for me personally, but I find that we've, we discover it as a significant thing as a church as well. And so I want to encourage you to do fasting. Now, fasting is something that you give up something. You're, ba you're basically literally denying your flesh of something. And usually most people think that when I deny myself, deny myself of something, that I'll discover more of God, that I will actually, God will give more of himself to me. But I actually find it's the inverse. I find that you actually end up giving more of yourself to God. It's not so much that God is giving more, for, more to us because he's given everything that he wants to give and everything that he has to give to us. And so in fasting, you tend to give more of yourself to God. And it can be significant in a way that it will affect your life spiritually. You know, what should you fast? Well, you can fast from anything. Really, anything that you think that takes up your attention physically. You can, some people fast uh, only eating one meal a day. Some people will fast giving up uh, uh, caffeine or they're giving up sugar or they're giving up media, they're giving up Netflix, they're giving up gaming, they're giving up something. Maybe some of you can give up shopping. Oh my gosh, right? You're just already panicking at the idea of giving up caffeine. Am I right? Am I right? Anybody? No, just me? Okay. So, so, so you have to decide what it is that you're going to fast. If you underfast, then you're really not challenging yourself. If you overfast, then you could put yourself into trouble. You don't want to overfast to the place that you commit to something that you just crash and burn and you fail. But give yourself some room to give something that would really be a way of reminding yourself of pressing into the presence of God. Now, what should you fast for? You should fast for your children. You should fast for your family. I'm sure you even have family or friends who are not even saved yet. That's worth fasting for. 
It's worth fasting for the church, for the vision that we've got. It's worth fasting for our government because they seem to get ourselves into trouble every now and again, right? It's amazing how much we should be fasting for. And what you're doing is you're pressing into the presence of God, especially through prayer. The way I remember how I should approach fasting is through PBJ, right? You don't, no one wants to think about food when they're, when they're fasting, but PBJ is peanut butter and jelly. But I think of prayer, of breaking curses and joy. Why those three things? Well, prayer is what you should replace, you should replace the time that you're, you're gaining. Sorry, you should fill up your time that you're gaining with. And breaking curses is where you're breaking off curses of your family, of your community, whatever it is, because we need to see the presence of God more in our lives. And of course, J is joy, because sometimes it's easy to give up something and then you just feel the burden of it. And you're like, oh, oh. But the Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and in his courts with praise. That's with joy. If you want to be in the presence of God, stir it up within yourself with joy, right? And I'm like, but I don't feel it. I don't care how you feel. Put it on your face and tell your spirit to stir up in joy and enter the presence of God with some praise. The second thing I want to talk about uh, before we get into our teaching this morning is um, we're, we're now going to be doing something this year as a church. Last year, we did a whole entire month where we changed the way that we were giving uh, on a Sunday morning. And we know this, about 80 to 90% of you actually give online, and we're so grateful that you're faithful that way to keep giving online consistently every week. But what's happened over the years is when we're giving online, we've lost the dimension of turning our giving, our financial giving, into a moment of worship. And last year, we decided to say, we're going to do a whole month where we're actually going to take our, our offerings, we're going to bring them to the front during worship, and we're going to make that a part of our worship. Now, some of you, of course, you give online digitally, and, and we encourage you just to write your name on an envelope anyway, and just be a part of the process of, being, uh, uh, of, of worshiping as a body by giving financially in, in that mode. But what we found was we got some responses from a lot of you. And some of you said, you know, this is the first time I've ever done this with my children. This is the first time I've actually shown my children that I'm going to give financially and faithfully to the Father through, through the body of Christ. That's the first time I've literally shown my children that that's what I do. And I've shown them how to do it themselves. In fact, it got many of you into conversations about giving as a family. And we realized that we have lost a part of the dimension. I think the church universal has really lost a part because most people do give online. We even pay our bills online. So we've decided this year that on the first Sunday of every month, we're going to make that happen at the first Sunday of every month. We're even considering that if you want to bring an extra offering, you know, five bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is, you can bring that offering and we'll actually commit it to a particular ministry first with our church and then to the point of, of beyond our church as well. So we want to really break through something in our generosity as a church. We want to make a foundation that is strong in the power of generosity. Because at the end of the day, this is not about just digging into your pockets. This is about trusting that God has more than we could ever imagine. In fact, as a church, we have a massive vision, don't we? We're about to build a huge, big, A, uh, a double dollar sign uh, church, right? A big building, right? We're about to just build that. And we're excited by that. We are thrilled by that. But for every vision, there must be a following of provision. 
because the word provision literally means far vision, the investment into vision. And we're not, we're not just looking like, oh, what can we string together? Is there any, do we have any dollars that we can try and pull together? No, no, no. We want to get to the place where we are able to stir up our faith to say, Father, you already have the vision. Sir, you already have the provision. Please give it to me through me in order that I might be able to establish your vision here on earth. You follow me on that one? And this is where we want to get to. So today, I want to talk about our vision for this year. And our vision for this year, the word that we've got for this year is ask for more. Ask for more. If we're going to carry out the things that God has called us to, and this is not just about a corporate vision that the church has to build a new building. This is about even the individual visions that you all have, the dreams that God has put on your heart. And if God has put these dreams and these visions on your heart, then you are responsible to figure out how to become the conduit of the provision that God already has for you. Hello. Asking for more is something that we have to grow in our skills in. We have to grow in with these skills to know how to ask for more and how to receive from God. Not just so that we can become big, fat, rich cats, but simply that we might be able to become sources for the world that still needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today, I want, to, I, want to, I want to read a scripture today that I actually came across when I was in India. And many of you know, last year I was in India with Phil Chang and, and we went over there to, to celebrate with them their 30th anniversary. Last year was our 30th anniversary and last year was their 30th anniversary as well. And when I was thinking about going to India, I'd been praying and I'd been fasting and asking God, you know, what do you want me to speak about? What, do you, what word do you want me to bring to India? And I was getting nothing, I was getting nothing, and I was getting nothing. And I got some teachings together, etc. So I went there prepared as much as I could, but I didn't really sense what the word was for the church in India. But I did have this idea when I was out and about, and I thought, how cool would it be if I went and got a whole bunch of gifts just dollar gifts from, is it the Dollar Tree? Has anyone ever been the Dollar Tree? I once went in the Dollar Tree and I picked up something. I said, how much is this, right? And she goes, sir, everything's a dollar, right? And I'm like, okay, that was a stupid question. Just checking, just checking, just checking. Because some things seem bigger than the other stuff, right? Seem more expensive, but no, everything's a dollar. It's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. So I went there. And I bought hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. I mean, I took a suitcase of stuff because I figured there's going to be tons of kids there. How fun would this be to just turn up and be like Santa Claus and go, you get a dollar gift, you get a dollar gift. I'm sorry, that's Oprah, that's not Santa Claus. Okay, um, so, so when I was there and we were in the evening and there was, uh, uh, there was a big celebration, there was the 30th anniversary and Phil and I are turning up and we felt like, you know, just treated like kings. They put robes on us and they gave us a big cake and they gave us these huge boxes of gifts and we're sitting up there peering over these gifts thinking this is really strange. I've never had this happen before. But it was so much fun and there was so much joy in the room. They were celebrating their 30th anniversary. Now they've got 125 branch churches and they had brought them, brought the pastors together and we're doing this big celebration. They had a whole bunch of pastors on one side and then Phil and I were on the other side just looking as pale as can be and, 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 and so we were just at this big celebration and they're like, and so Pastor Peter, he is now going to bring a teaching and an exhortation to us, uh, they said in English and, and Indian. And so I was, I was actually 
I was down on the ground on the front seat. And as I was walking up, I had this teaching. I was already prepared. And as I was walking up, I knew that God gave me a completely different scripture. And I had to speak on that scripture. And if any one of you know this, I don't like being unprepared. I like knowing what I'm walking in. I'm at that age now where I like knowing what I'm walking into. But it gave me such a revelation, such an insight that I felt for one of the, one of the first times, uh, the few times in my life, I felt like I was literally looking through the eyes of the Father at the people of God because of this one scripture. And this one scripture was so tied to this suitcase of stuff of, of, of gifts that I was taking up on stage. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter seven, verses nine to 11. And it says this. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, this is a super, super important scripture. And I want to read it once more. And I want you to really pay attention to every word. Which of you, if your daughter asks for bread, will give him, give her a stone? Or if she asks for a fish, will give her a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, Repeat this after me. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? To those who ask him. You can tell I'm going to try and dig out a point here. Because there is something significant in this scripture that I have just glossed over time and time again. And what I want to do is I want to drill into this one verse, verse 11. And it's, it begins off with this. It says, if you then, though you are evil. Now, when you think about it, is Jesus, who's he speaking to here? Is he speaking to the Pharisees? Well, I get that. They're evil. Is he speaking to me? Is he speaking to us? Am I evil? Or is this just a general term that he is throwing out here? So I looked up the word evil. And the word evil is not something that's about your essential character of evil and of sin that you're trying to murder and steal and kill and destroy. He's not even talking about the degeneracy of virtue, that you've lost your holiness. He's drilling into a word that basically means this. It means calamitous. Or in our terms, it means messed up. You see, he was, he was actually continuing his sermon on the mount that day. And as he was continuing it on, he came across this little thing, this little story that he was telling us that he's saying, you know, even though you're messed up, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more do you think your father wants to give you good gifts? And he isn't even messed up. He's thinking clearly. He's not trying to overcome curses in his own life. He's not just trying to get rid of bad behavior. He's not trying to get rid of poverty in his life. He has all the things in the world, all the things you could ever imagine in the universe. And he wants to give all of those things to you. You can imagine when I was there in India, I was looking at a people who were poorer than I. This is not to speak down to the Indians or the Indian culture at all. These are our brothers and sisters 
But it's amazing in their country, they don't have the same security systems and police forces we have. They don't have the same health care. They've got more diseases they could ever imagine. They don't have the same wealth that we do. They have poverty there. They have things that you would never imagine seeing of a depth of poverty that you could never dream of. And for those of us who sometimes maybe get down on our own country and we get upset with the way the politics are, the way the, 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 the capitalist system is, or the way our neighbors are, or the way the police force is, and our racism and our sexism and all that type of thing, let me take you on a trip to India so you can maybe see and discover how much blessing we have in this country. It's easy to see the things that we don't have and the things that are not right, but when you see the things that you do have that are good compared to those that don't have it, you'll suddenly realize how blessed you are. And in that moment is when I felt like I was looking through the eyes of God when I was looking at our brothers and sisters. Why? Because everything that I desired for them was what I already had. It was easy for me to have the faith for them to go to the next level. It was easy for me to tell them, listen, the Father is a good Father. He is a good God. How do I know this? Because I've already experienced it. All the good gifts He wants for you, I already have it. My testimony was already clear. It was easy for me to have that faith. You follow me so far? What Jesus is saying, you're messed up. How much more does our good Father have for you? And you want good things for your children. Your Father in heaven wants even more and greater things than you could ever imagine that you would even want for your children. And it continues on and it says this, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He's not just talking to us who are evil. He's saying, how much more does the Father want? How much more? Think about it. Listen now. How much more? Can you quantify that? How much more? Well, let me show you what type of God we have. Because in the beginning when he made Adam and Eve, he created a beautiful garden. And the amazing thing is, when we read about the Garden of Eden, we often focus on everything that they lost. But let me show you who God was in the beginning. It says in Genesis 2, 15 to 7, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat. What does that say? from any tree in the garden, any tree. Now we often skip over this verse and we go to the next one which says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's the part that they totally failed on. I get that, we get that, we totally get that's the part that they failed on. That's the birth of you being messed up, right? But what Jesus was saying was, you're of the tree that you ate that you shouldn't have eaten. You're messed up. But do you know that my father is still the same father from the beginning as he is today? He's the same God. He is the same any tree father. Let me say again. He is the same any tree father. And through the cross of Christ, we now get to access that same any tree father who was alive and well in the beginning, giving good gifts to his first two people, Adam and Eve. He's the same father back then. He's the same father today. Hello. Can anyone shout amen on that one? He is the same any tree father who is waiting to give us more than we could ever, ever imagine. 
In fact, quite a few months ago when I was studying, I started counting up the amount of times it says in the New Testament, ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. Do you know how many times? 11 times, that's how many. It says, whatever you want, you can have it. Like, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't know if I can have anything. Can I, I can't have anything. Well, maybe not anything in the sense of the stuff you shouldn't have. We all get that. We're often worried about, yeah, but what if, what if God says no? Well, what if he does? There was only one tree he said no to. Everything else was available. Listen, take a picture of all those scriptures if you want and go study them for yourself. 11 times it says, whatever you want, you'll be given. When, where, how, I don't know. Not my business. That's God's business. But what I know is my business is to ask how much it continues on. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those, what does it say? Who ask him. This is where the rub is. The one thing I want you to know, this is not just some disciple or apostle who's dreaming about this. This is literally Jesus himself saying this. And when I was there in India, this is when I started to have this revelation of the problem that we seem to have with our asking. In fact, I'm gonna ask my, my daughter to come up on stage. Because what I had done that day was I had actually gone up on stage and I said, you know what? I'm not actually gonna take all the children and give them all the gifts. I'm just gonna bring three kids up on stage. I'm just gonna bring one up on stage. My favorite daughter of all time. You're the best and most favorite daughter I've ever had, ever, ever, ever. I'll never have another one because the, the, you broke the mold right there. Okay, so now she's embarrassed. That's all right. Don't worry about that. That's what the fathers do. So <clears throat> I took all these gifts and I put them out in front of all the kids. And we had them all there and it was amazing and they were just, you could see their eyes just light up, right? And they're just like, wow, look at all these gifts there. And I brought them up. I, I, I did this whole, I took this whole scripture and I said, listen, you out there as parents, you want good things for your children. I'm here to tell you this our Father, our good Father in heaven, He wants even more for you. And He wants even more than you could ever imagine for your own children. They're like, oh yeah, this is absolutely wonderful. And as I was teaching this, I'm like, and I said, I said, you know, this is, you can have whatever you want. Whatever you want from these, this, these pile of gifts, it's yours. You can have it. And the children were looking at me and then I realized, you know, it's probably because I'm speaking English and they don't speak English, right? So, I said to the pastor, I said, tell them. So he's like, right? And I'm like, whatever you want, whatever you want. I can't speak Indian, by the way, Telugu. I can't speak it, so that's why I'm mimicking, right? And there were several things that I noticed that happened while it was happening. The first one was this, they hesitated. They stopped. And it suddenly hit me. Why did they hesitate? They hesitated because they didn't believe me. Pay attention to that. They didn't believe the words that I said. So they're looking at me. They're looking at Pastor William. He's like, they're looking at their parents. And they're looking back and forward and none of them moved. And it hit me. Their disbelief that they had the right to take anything, stopped them from moving forward and pressing in and taking more. And I wonder if this is the behavior that we have taught to ourselves as well. 
We have taught ourselves that we don't deserve this. I actually have more than I deserve. And that's true. We all have more than we deserve. But we've then, then added on something else. So therefore, I shouldn't take any more. So therefore, I shouldn't ask for any more. I've got news for you, people of God. You never received anything because you deserve something. And you never will receive something because you deserve it. It's simply because our Father is good. That's all. So here's the question. What does it take to make a child take something that they've already been told to take? Take whatever you want. Take whatever you want. She slowly did it, but she took it, right? Here's the second thing I noticed. How much did she take? How much did she take? One thing. This is what most of us do in our lives. We are constantly training ourselves to only take one thing at a time. We're constantly teaching ourselves, don't take too much because don't want to be greedy and we only can only take one thing just to, and we'll stretch it out as long as we can and then we get to a place where we start wondering if God is good, if he still cares for us. Does he actually want anything? But God didn't stop us from receiving anymore. We stopped ourselves from receiving anymore because we didn't have the faith or the belief or the action or the tenacity or the ability to keep pressing in to take more and more. I don't want to look like I'm greedy. What will people think about me? Other people might think I'm taking too much, but the father never said that. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe your father? Are you going to believe what you think about yourself? Are you going to believe what other people think about you, what they say about you? Who cares? This past Christmas, I had, I had written a book and it took me six years to do. And I finally I came out with a Christmas CD because Gary White forced me to do it. And I came out with these two things at the exact same time. And I'm like, this feels odd with coming out with two things. And then someone had mentioned on a little post and like, oh, you're such an overachiever. And it hit me. And I'm like, am I? Is this the way that we think? that we can only do one thing at a time, that we can only receive one thing at a time? Is that the way we have trained ourselves to only take one thing at a time, that we can't do multiple things? Listen, there is a world that is going to hell in a handbasket. They need me, they need you to get with the program and learn how to have the capacity to receive more from God. So I'm telling you, all of this is yours. You take whatever you want, take whatever you want. Whatever you want. Take your time. What happened to our face? Did anyone see it? Did anyone see what happened to our face? Did anyone see that? There was a grin, there was a smirk, there was joy. And that was the thing I saw on these little Indian girls that were up there. And they just, they started doing it and then they knelt down and they took a few things and I'm like, is that all you want? Because I'm not taking it home. And then they started doing this, right? And they were piling it up on their hand. And then they started giggling. Like, <laughs> is it because they got stuff? No. Our joy is not connected to the stuff. Our joy is connected to the fact that we finally believe that our father is good that he wants good things for us. Does this make sense to you? Thank you, gorgeous. I love you. Mm. 
last year I had a conversation with my mother and she connected two dots for me in my mind that I'd, I hadn't seen years ago when I was about <clears throat> eight or nine years old. Uh, my mother and father, my mom was telling me this, but my mother and father uh, owned a very small house and of course we we're a pastor's family. We we're always having people over and we literally would have whole families come and live with us for months on end until they found a house or something. So we're all having pastors and, and missionaries and friends and family coming to stay with us. And we were always stacked up on each other. And my mother, she was telling me a story of how she bought her next house. And she said, you know, I said to your father, we need another house because this house is not big enough. And she said, and your father said, we don't have the money to get something bigger. And she said, well, I'm just going to ask God for it. That's exactly how my parents speak, right? Well, I'll just ask God for it. So she did. She went looking for this house. She went and found this massive house that was a, <clears throat> it was a mansion. And it had, in fact, she only owned like two-thirds of it because the other third, you know, was, it was owned by someone else. And it was like six bedrooms and two living rooms and a dining room, a kitchen, a cloak room, and everything you can think of. And it's this massive house. And she saw and she said, Stuart, let's go look at this house. And my dad went, well, we can't afford that. And she said, maybe you can. This is, this is the woman that raised me that said, I'd like, to, I'd like to meet the man who would get in, in between me and what I want. And so she said, well, let's go have a look at it. That's all we should do. Well, let's just go have a look at it. So my dad went, okay, we'll go up there. And she said, but there was something within your father that he wasn't comfortable with. And it was this. There's a built-in thing within our culture in Scotland that says this, that if you're a pastor, you can't afford to have too much because you don't want to look like you're living off of the people. You have to look like you're living off of the least that you can barely live off of so you look like you're giving everything to the kingdom of God. And she said, but the fact is we couldn't keep doing more because we didn't have enough. And she goes, so imagine well, his face when we actually went up there, and it turns out when the person opened the door for us to visit the house, my father knew the guy. So his face dropped. My mother's like, your father's face absolutely dropped. Just like dropped, like a dropped pie. Oh my gosh. And he was shocked because it was this Christian doctor that he knew from years ago. And he was embarrassed because he didn't want to look like he's, you know, I can afford to buy a big house. You know, who the heck do you think you are? And so he came in and she goes, oh, your father was so coy, hardly said a word. And I did all the talking. I'm like, mother, you do all the talking anyway. So she's like, yeah, I did all the talking and we're looking through the house. And we finally ended up buying the house. Do you know why we finally ended up buying the house? Because the couple said to us, we've been praying for a pastor to buy our house. And then your father had to, had to eat cold turkey or whatever it is, whatever you eat, crow, crow pie, that's it. Had to eat crow pie because he realized that God had already prepared things for him. And I'm amazed that we allow our beliefs and our actions to get in between us and the things that God already wants to give to us. Alona. We allow our beliefs and our inaction our hesitation, our pausing to get between us and the things that God wants to give to us. But what if he doesn't want me to have it? Then go ask him. You haven't found that out yet. Well, what if he says no to that? So what? There's so much more stuff. The question is, are you willing to get past yourself? Are you willing to get rid of old thoughts and, and fears and worries in order to become the vessel that can receive more from God? 
Because I believe as a church, we need to know how to ask for more resources, to ask for more time, to ask for more gifts, to ask for more skills, to ask for more from our Father because He has more than we could ever imagine, exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever imagine. The question is, are you willing to stop hesitating? How long did my daughter stand up here whilst I had already told her, you can have whatever you want? And I was still talking and talking. You can have whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. She was waiting for a note or a look of permission to step in and take something. What are you waiting for, people? What are you waiting? Are you waiting for permission? You already have it. Are you waiting for another amazing revelation, another word? You already have those. Are you waiting for the right time? The right time is now. Are you waiting for a moment? Are you waiting for something? What is it you're waiting on? Push in. Be tenacious and ask God, I want more. Stop giving up. Because the way when you give up, you're basically saying, your father isn't good to you. Your father is good to you. Now is the time. And I believe, I'm saying prophetically for this year, the word for this church this year is ask for more. Ask for more. Hello. <clears throat> ask for more. And I want you to start saying it to each other. Ask for more. You need to ask for more. What am I going through? I'm going through a difficult time. Well, you need to ask for more. You need to ask what you need to change in your life. What behaviors do you need to change? You need to ask what it is that you need to get over and then ask for more. Keep asking for more. Father, can I have more? Yes, you can have more. Oh, can you help me to get more? Yes, I can help you to get more. Father, can I have more? Yes. Jesus told us to ask for it. And 11 times he said, whatever you ask for, you will receive it. Are you with me on this? For 2020, are you all in for this? Because we have got big things that God has called us to do. Let's stand to our, our feet this morning as we finish our service. <clears throat> Ball up your hands, scrunch up your eyes, and raise them to heaven and say this after me. Father, I'm asking for more. I don't want to hesitate. I don't want to be scared anymore. I don't want to be in disbelief. I want more for your kingdom of God. I want more because you're a good father. And I believe you're a good dad. And I'm going to remind myself every day until I step up and start taking what you've given me. Because you're an any tree father. In the name of Jesus right now, I bless you with this understanding that he is your any tree father. He is your any tree father. He is your any tree father. Receive it, receive it, receive it in the name of Jesus. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Let's give God a whole shout of joy.